Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. It is our number two of the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Went through a little bit about what we wound up seeing in college basketball in our number one. Here in our number two, we've got to turn it forward to a little bit of what we're going to be seeing in college basketball on this Sunday. We're going to be updating a pair of games that I know some of you guys might be having a second half bet on in a second as well. Also, we've got odds on Aaron Rodgers' next team as well. Myself being from the great state of Wisconsin, I feel like it is my responsibility and my solemn duty to be able to give you guys a little bit of insight when it comes to this. Try to utilize all these sources I have whatsoever, and I can tell you right now, I do have sources in the state of Wisconsin, and they know about as much as you guys do. Objectively squat because it is Aaron Rodgers. So I'm going to do my best to be able to give you guys a little bit of insight over there as well. But first things first, we do have a pair of games that are still in progress from this just absolutely wild and crazy college basketball Saturday. Right now, it's coming down to the very bitter end. If you want, I'm taking the if you want, I'm taking the points with the Cal State Bakersfield Roadrunners. We give our own Roadrunners, by the way. Meet me for them as it is right now. A spot in which you're down to about the final minute of this game. 54-48. to 48. It is Hawaii currently in the lead in this one. And it looks like Bakersfield wound up just grabbing a rebound. This is a game which it wound up closing with Hawaii being a favorite of anywhere between 5.5 and, and 6 points. So this is one in which it might be very, very significant. So we're going to be taking a look at that. And with Long Beach State. It looked like they were dead, gone, and buried. And all of a sudden, they've been able to make a little bit of a Herculean run here in the second half. Down 46-23. to 23. They have come all the way back to be able to make it a nine-point game. It is 71-62. to 329 left in the second half. Total of 136 after 137 half. Unlikely to be able to hold up. And UC Irvine, coming into this game, they were the top under team in all of college basketball. Four overs, 14 unders, two pushes. They are the top under-rate team in all of college basketball, 22% of their games going over the total. Next lowest, 24% of the games that Austin P, the good old governators, have played have went over. So we've got some intrigue over there. I'll be keeping you guys abreast as these two games wind up going final. But how about if we turn it forward to Sunday? I always do a play for DK Nation 
wound up going down with Rutgers on Saturday. So it's a little bit disappointing. So how about if we wind up going back out there to the Big Ten as we've got 823-824. It is Illinois, and they're going to be in the road to face off against Michigan. Michigan is anywhere between a pick to a one-point underdog. Drawing scheme is 141.5. I wound up saying my line three in favor of Illinois. My wonderful producer, Wyatt, is not happy with me because I can tell you right now, he is a big-time Michigan fan and a very good fan at that. But with that said, when it comes to this Michigan team, it's just hard to be able to get behind them with the way that they're playing defense. They rank 196th in all of college basketball with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. And you'd think because they have Hunter Dickinson that their interior defense would be strong. Eh, wrong. Coming into Saturday, 222nd in the country in terms of opponents' two-point shooting percentage. You do take a look at this Illinois team, and along with what you're able to get out of Kofi Coburn, one of the most immovable objects in all of college basketball, averaging 21 points, 10.8 rebounds per game. You're able to layer in there Jacob Granderson along with Alfonso Plummer, a pair of guys that shoot north of 41% from three-point range. And then you just take a look at this Michigan bunch as well. You do have to like the fact that you actually have some experience on the bench right now. Phil Martelli, I would actually argue from an X's and O's standpoint, is a little bit of an upgrade to Jawan Howard. Jawan Howard is a great recruiter. He is a guy that really gets a lot of excitement and buzz to that Michigan program. But if you're looking at just raw coaching and raw coaching alone, I would probably have Phil Martelli as a little bit of an upgrade. This is someone that coached for north of 20 years at St. Joe's. You may recall St. Joe's. I don't remember if it was the 2002-2003 or the 2003-2004 season. It was the year in which they wound up having Jameer Nelson, Delonte West, all those guys. They wound up pulling off a undefeated regular season out there in the Atlantic 10. They were, I believe, a one seed that season in the NCAA tournament. I mean, he got his teams to be able to play that well. So I do think that that is something that is actually very helpful for this Michigan team. And in their first game, they were able to get the job done. Under Martelli against Rutgers, this was by a count of 71 to 62. You may recall that the team just all throughout that game wound up going in on Rutgers and they were unable to cover the opening number, let alone the closing number. But it's also a Michigan team that they're going to be out for revenge in this spot. First time around that these two teams wound up playing, it was in the state of Illinois. 68 to 53 was the final. Many of you guys may recall, Hunter Dickinson did not wind up playing in that game. Dickinson for the year to be able to give you 18 points, seven plus boards, shooting in the high 30s from three-point range. So that is certainly going to make a little bit of an impact on this game. But with that said, Illinois, they didn't necessarily shoot it great from three-point range in that game. And I think you could give a lot of the credit to this Michigan team. Michigan is in the top 45 with regards to opponents' three-point shooting percentage. But at the same time, what I think is going to be glaring for Michigan is that they don't force any turnovers. And when Illinois has their deficiencies, it's typically when they're turning the ball over, Michigan Michigan is 340th in all of college basketball with regards to opponents' turnovers on a per-possession basis. They only force a turnover on right around 15% of possessions. Now, it's not like this is an Illinois team that's going out there and they're getting like 20 turnovers per game or anything like that, but certainly they do a little bit better job. I think that Michigan could have a little bit of a tough time with it. Having everything that has been going on in general with the Michigan program, I have to think has taken a lot out of this program in general. And Illinois has been relatively solid on the road as well. I like Illinois here in a bounce back after they wound up losing to Ohio State on their home floor a few days ago. Set my line at three. So for DK Nation, 
I did wind up giving out Illinois, laying a point that's currently the DraftKings line. If it does wind up moving to a pick em, you might wind up seeing it as a pick em, but regardless, Illinois laying a point, pick em, I like it in this spot, and with the, with the total, by the way, I do like this total under. I do mind saying my total at a 139 because you do have a Michigan team that they do rank in the bottom runner with regards to possessions per game. Phil Martelli, while I was at St. Joe's, never necessarily known for a guy playing at a breakneck pace. He is a little bit malleable with the way that he's able to play his teams. You've seen him have some up-tempo teams. You've, had him see, you've seen him have some low and slow teams. I think that Michigan is going to be keeping their relatively slow, methodical pace. And it's an Illinois team that... They're neither fast or slow, 167th in the country. With regards to possessions, Brame can't get much more in the middle than that. So we're taking a look at an under. And for the DK Nation pick, I wound up going with Illinois in this game. Things are really going to be getting started early on this college basketball Sunday out there in the Big East. You've got a game between UConn and Georgetown that's going to be tipping things off. This is 815-816 on the bang board. UConn has found themselves between 11 and 11.5 point favorites. And your total is anywhere between 145 and 147. And until further notice, it's really hard to be able to trust in this Georgetown team. I wound up saying them as a 13-point underdog. Now, when it comes to Georgetown, what you do have for this team is Caden Rice, coupled with another gentleman out there backcourt in Donald Carey, that combined to shoot in the high 30s from three-point range and combined to be able to give you 28 points per game. Georgetown's efficiency is not on offense. They're actually halfway decent with that regard. Now they do get a little bit loose with the ball. They don't necessarily do a great job of being able to hit, th- hit twos, but from three-point range, they are shooting right around 35% from distance. But then you take a look at this UConn team, and this is a UConn bunch that they do a good job of being able to bear down at defense. And on top of that, they're in the top 25 with regards to rebound rate. Adamo, Sonogo, along with Tyrese Martin. These two guys are able to combine for 15 and a half rebounds per game. Sonogo, he's able to make you go-go down low. He's able to give you two blocks and a steal per contest. And with regards to this UConn team, they also do have RJ Cole out there in the backcourt. A guy that's able to give you 16 and a half points, four and a half assists. Does a very solid job with this team. Now, when it comes to UConn, with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis, they do rank 26th. And I will say this for them it's a UConn team that they are allowing a little bit more on the road as opposed to at home. It's right around 9.2 points more per 100 on the road that they give up than at home. But also with this Georgetown team, they rank 292nd in the country with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis. Amino Muhammad. They will give you 13 and a half points, six and a half boards per game. Other than Timmy Ogahove, you really haven't been able to get a lot of rebounding in general out of this bunch. Got a relatively solid backcourt here for this Georgetown team, but also a team that they do get a little bit loose with the ball. I think that UConn is certainly going to be able to exploit this Georgetown team. Georgetown's just been giving up points of plenty all season long. And UConn is a team that they actually look to push a little bit of tempo as well. They're a team that they shoot in the high 30s from three-point range. UConn, 121st in the country with regards to possessions per game. They're going up against a Georgetown team that they've just been sped up all season long. Georgetown, I don't understand why they haven't throttled down a little bit more, but they do rank 54th in all of college basketball with regards to possessions per game. So I do think that you're going to get a relatively high-scoring affair. Typically, when it comes to these games, because I get asked this quite a bit, with regards to something like a 9 a.m. Pacific noon Eastern time tip. If I shade down my numbers, and I absolutely do with regards to the totals. Now, it's not like I wind up going from like, oh, I've got this at 150. Now I'm going to be placing at a 144 because it's earlier. But at the same time, it is a case in which if I would have it at a 148, 
I'd be willing to put it at more like a 147 because these are college kids that are between the ages of 18 to 23. I can tell you right now, when I was this age, I was not someone that wanted to be able to wake up very early. I would always have a little bit of tough time with it. So I do think that that's important to take note of. And also with regards to this game, if you bet the money line in every single one of Georgetown's 15 Big East games, well, congratulations. You got 15 losing bets on your hands as well as it's been a Georgetown team that's been just cataclysmic, completely bad in general. They've got a chance to just make some history for all the wrong reasons. And right now they're looking to be on pace with it. So I'm going to be taking a look at this total over. I want to say my total at a 147. And with UConn, I'm going to be willing to lay up to 13 with them. Something else I'm taking a look at, what we're going to be getting out of Aaron Rodgers as well. Coming up next, we're going to be hitting upon the odds that he actually winds returning to Green Bay and what the odds are they may be going to another team. That's next right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to get Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shane and the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of the Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? See the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back. This segment of the Greg Peterson Experience is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches. Zen Nicotine Pouches are working to create a world in which you can enjoy life on your own terms. Zen is smoke free, spit free, and hassle free as a tobacco alternative that can be joined that can be enjoyed anywhere and at any time. So that way you're not able to miss a single minute of your game slash tailgate party available in 10 varieties like spearmint, coffee, and citrus. Zen can be found at convenience stores nationwide. So you can find your Zen wherever you are. Zen nicotine pouches are clean and distinct. 
with no lingering spell. Plus, it's easier to use inside or out, making it the perfect complement to your everyday. Also, Zinn comes in two strengths, so that way you'll have control over your nicotine satisfaction. Zinn contains nicotine as only for adult nicotine users over the age of 21. Learn more and find out the location that is nearest you at zyn.com slash fine. That is zyn.com slash fine. Warning, this is a product that contains nicotine and nicotine is an addictive chemical as it is a Greg Peterson experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. And myself being someone from the great state of Wisconsin, we need to hit upon this. Aaron Rodgers, apparently, there he's in the news once again. And we're probably not going to be finding out a whole heck of a lot more about his situation until we wind up finding out a little bit about Devontae Adams as well. I do feel like these guys are together a little bit, but with that said, let's take a look at what we are getting with regards to his odds for his next team. These are via DraftKings. Right now, the Green Bay Packers are the odds-on favorite. You're finding them at minus 280, which find it to be very intriguing that they're quite that high. And then from there, you've got the Denver Broncos at plus 350. 8 to 1 is the San Francisco 49ers. Colts are at 10 to 1. Steelers are at 12 to 1. Buccaneers are at 14 to 1. Then from there, you've got a lot of long shots. 21 is the Saints and the Titans. At 22 to 1, you've got the Las Vegas Raiders. And then at 25, Dolphins, Browns, and Panthers. And excuse me, as you've got a situation where I think that the rightful favorite is the Green Bay Packers. With the Packers, it certainly is the best place for him to be able to win a championship, in my opinion, because you just take a look at what they've been able to build around Aaron Rodgers. They've been able to put around him a very good defense. They've been able to do a very solid job of being able to put around him a nice offensive line as well. But, I mean, with that said, I would not be willing to lay minus 280 with him because the only person right now that knows where Aaron Rodgers is going is Aaron Rodgers. I firmly just feel like he can't be taking too much of what he winds up saying on the Pat McAfee show, what he winds up tweeting out on social media too very much art because I mean, we wound up seeing it earlier in the week. We saw a whole bunch of people just jumping about being like, Oh boy, Aaron Rodgers posted on social media, some hashtag like Monday gratitude or something like that, which apparently he was looking to get that hashtag going. So I salute him for that. And there were a lot of people who were saying, Oh, it's a sign. Aaron Rodgers is stepping away. He's going to like Denver or something like that. Now, I think that Aaron Rodgers is probably posting this up and then he's watching these shows out there on these various networks. Heck, he might be watching me right now and he's just snickering away being like, I've got these guys exactly where I want them. I think that he absolutely enjoys every second of this and I think that he might not even have his own mind made up and when it comes to the Green Bay Packers, we've seen a lot of statements from guys like Gutenkitz and company saying that it is a case of which it's going to be a little bit difficult for Aaron Rodgers to really request a trade. It's not one of those cases in which I think that the Green Bay Packers wouldn't necessarily cater a trade because if the Green Bay Packers are going to wind up trading away Aaron Rodgers, they're going to need to get a whole bushel full of picks. They're going to need to get some immediate talent as well. Like with the San Francisco 49ers, it's a solid look at 8-1. to one. Because they are a team that is fond of Aaron Rodgers. Hardy wanted playing his college football over there for the Cal Golden Bears. So you can reasonably think that there is a little bit of a chance that they could do that. But the problem with the San Francisco 49ers is that 
They traded away so many first-round picks to get another quarterback in Trey Lance. And what do you wind up doing? Do you wind up trading away both Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo to help out the Green Bay Packers? I don't think that the Green Bay Packers will want two quarterbacks, especially considering they've already got Jordan Love as well. I do think, though, that it is a case in which you could wind up finding a little bit more value with a team that's a little bit further down the line. The Raiders at 22 to 1, I think, is the best long shot if you're looking for one. Because with the Las Vegas Raiders, for one, I think it would be very appealing to Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers is a guy that, once again, comes from the West Coast, but he's someone that he wants to have some venues or some ventures outside of the game of football. And out here in Las Vegas, you certainly are able to build that. I don't know if he's going to be going like for, from casino to, to casino selling like any sort of a bourbon or anything like that, but certainly it's a guy that is wanting to be able to have some outside, I guess you call it interest, Las Vegas. It's only a couple of hours away from Los Angeles as well. So I could see that being actually a very good destination. I, I The Raiders have a relatively solid roster. They've invested a lot with regards to being able to build up the uh, being able to build up the team in general. They were able to make the postseason this year. Now, with regards to the Las Vegas Raiders, they are a team that I feel like they leave a little bit of something to be desired on the offensive line. As we know, the Raiders are going to need to trade away a bushel full of picks in order to get Aaron Rodgers. But you know what they also have that the Green Bay Packers would like? A quarterback that could come in right away and be able to give you some quality because we just don't know what we're going to be able to get out of Jordan Love moving forward. He wound up having that one start against the Kansas City Chiefs, and just coming out of college, he's a guy that you knew he was going to be a project. You want a guy that you're able to plug in there right away. Derek Carr is in the final year of his deal, so I do think that is actually going to be able to work out very well. The Green Bay Packers can get a year out of Derek Carr, and then from there, you wind up being able to put in there Jordan Love if you feel like he's ready to go. If you don't feel like Jordan Love's ready to go, well, you could wind up re-signing Derek Carr. You could wind up drafting another quarterback when the crop is much better than it is this year. A big thing that you want to be taking a look at with regards to this is if a quarterback winds up being traded in the mix, the possible successor, you got to be feeling like that's going to be coming a few years down the line. So a lot of these teams, they're not going to be looking to invest a draft pick in a quarterback anyway. Like, you take a look at the Indiana Indianapolis Colts, for instance, I do think that it's going to be really intriguing to see if they wind up pulling the trigger on this sort of deal. I can't see them having any sort of value at 10 to 1. Now, the only thing that they do have going for them is that the Green Bay Packers sounds like they do not want to be trading to an NFC team, which is, once again, a little bit of an issue that you've got with the San Francisco 49ers. I personally don't necessarily see why you want to be blackballing every single one of the NFC teams. Now, certainly when it comes to teams within the division, you would not want to be sending Aaron Rodgers to like the Detroit Lions, for instance. I mean, how bad would it be for the Green Bay Packers if if the first time they wind up losing in the postseason to the Detroit Lions is because they wind up trading away Aaron Rodgers or something like that? That would be something that they wouldn't be able to live down. But when it comes to a team that you might not be seeing for a few years or just not up with regards to schedule rotation, I don't necessarily see the logic in that too much. I just, when it comes to perfect fit, I feel like the Steelers would be that. But the problem with the Pittsburgh Steelers is what would they be able to trade in order to be able to get Aaron Rodgers? They don't have any sort of backup they're able to look at. I mean, Mason Rudolph is probably on par with Jordan Love. He might be a little bit better. He might be a little bit worse, but 
If you're Jones about getting Mason Rudolph, I really don't know what to tell you there. With the Steelers, they are so well coached. I do think that they're a very quality organization. I know that Aaron Rodgers would probably wind up signing off on a trade over there, but once again, you've got just the issue of what do they wind up giving up in order to get Aaron Rodgers, and it's a Steelers program that they just wind up building from within. They do a good job with their player development. They do a good job of being able to find a lot of these diamonds in the rough late in rounds in the draft. They're just not a team that winds up going out there making a whole bunch of slash moves. Now, they have been able to trade for guys like Joe Hayden in the past, but they typically get these guys for pennies on the dollar. They're not ones to go out there, wind up making this sort of a deal. So I do think that they're a team that you're able to take out of the fold. And with the Broncos, I mean, they're the team that they make the most sense if Green Bay Packers, if the Green Bay Packers are going to be making a trade because they wind up hiring on Nathaniel Hackett, who is the offensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers. The Denver Broncos certainly do have some capital to be able to trade away. But at the same time, when it comes to the Denver Broncos, I do think that the price has gotten a little bit too short here. And for Aaron Rodgers, you do have to evaluate, do I want to be going up against all these great quarterbacks like Justin Herbert twice a year? Do I want to be going up against Patrick Mahomes twice a year? You're able to do that with the Las Vegas Raiders. And with the Raiders, do they have the same amount of defensive prowess that the Denver Broncos do? No, but at the same time, you're not having to deal with elevation. You're certainly in a little bit of a more, I guess you call it vibrant market if you're looking for ventures outside of football as well. So right now, the way that I take a look at it, the Green Bay Packers should be the rightful favorite. Just not willing to lay minus 280 here because with regards to Aaron Rodgers, this is a very interesting cat that we are dealing with and someone that is probably enjoying all of us being suckers and talking about him. I'm a sucker for talking about college basketball, so we're going to hit on some games for Sunday next right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Get everything that you need to bet the madness this year with 24 7 video streaming, daily best bet emails, and our tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategy. You get it all for 19th Macaroos. Whether you're filling out a bracket or betting against the spread, our team is here to get you ready for every single game and every single round of the NCAA tournament. Get analysis from myself, Greg Peterson, on every single key team, conference, player to watch for, and it's all from the favorites to the potential Cinderella's. Sign up now and get our VSIN betting guide for the NCAA tournament, plus VSIN All Access through April 5th for only $19. This is at vcin.com slash madness as it is a Greg Peterson experience with myself, Greg Peterson. We're going to dive into the Sunday games in a second, but we have to address a calamity that we wound up just seeing in this UC Irvine versus Long Beach State game. If you wound up taking UC Irvine in this one, my thoughts and prayers go out to you. They were up by a count of 46 to 23 at the half. They were up by 24 points in the second half. They were laying about seven points, depending upon where you looked. You were able to find a couple seven S, but a lot of places this was seven. They went by kind of 77 to 72. 
I mean, this was just a complete and utter calamity right here. They were up, as a matter of fact, by 16 points with 521 remaining. And somehow, someway, Long Beach State makes a Herculean run to get right back into the game. They were down by three with about 30 seconds left. Boy. I mean, that talk about your just late game meltdowns. You might have seen it from UC Irvine. For Long Beach State in this one, they wind up going 5 of 22 from three-point range. So they couldn't throw it in just at all. But UC Irvine, they just had general sloppy play in this one. 20 turnovers, but somehow somebody goes 16 of 17 at the free throw line. I mean, we have seen more random results in this Saturday of college basketball that I could ever remember seeing. I mean, for goodness sakes, we had Chicago State win at home against New Mexico State. I mean, that just tells you what sort of day it's been in college basketball. So, boy, oh boy. I mean, man, if you want to take a UC Irvine, I feel for you because I, I personally want to be having Long Beach State. That's, this is one of those games in which, with my winnings, I should probably be donating at minimum half of them to charity because they should not have been coming to me. You're going to take them however you can get them. I mean, just being able to pick one winner in college basketball, I can tell you right now, it is not the easiest thing in the world to do. But man, that is strange. And then this one was a little bit more conventional. Hawaii was down at the half, but they were able to rally and get the job done against Cal State Bakersfield. 62 to 50. It's a Cal State Bakersfield that is just not good at being able to put the ball in the basket. They went one of 10 from three point range. And Bakersfield is really one of the strangest teams in all of college basketball. They're a team that, when it comes to runs of 10 to 0 or greater, they have been on the correct slash wrong side of like, Two all season long. I mean, it's a team which they don't necessarily get things going, but at the same time, they really don't give them up as well. So, I mean, I don't necessarily know what to make out of the team, but with the Y, they are dealing with a couple of ailments. Noel Coleman, their main score, he was out of the fold for this one, and it seems as though he's going to be shut down for the season. But Hawaii, six point favorite. They're able to get the job done here, they get the win and the cover. So, that ties a bow on everything from college basketball Saturday. Now let's take a look at Sunday, and Sunday is going to be featuring a rematch of something that we wind up seeing on Friday, as we do wind up going with one of the top games out there on the betting board. This is going to be game number, we'll get the proper numbers for you here, 817-818. Harvard plays host to Princeton. Princeton opened up a three-point favorite. Now you're finding them anywhere between two and two and a half. At DraftKings, you're finding them at a two and a half with a little bit of reduced juice. Here where I'm at, Circa, you're finding them as a two-point favorite. And your tallest game, you're going to be finding it anywhere between a 141 and a half and a 142. And when it comes to the spot, I'm willing to lay a deuce here when it comes to Princeton. I want to saying my line at a two and a half. So here at two and a half, it is pretty much struggling on what I want up setting it at. But even at the two and a half. I would rather lay it before taking it because Harvard has been incredibly banged up. Harvard has been dealing with a injury to Chris Ludlam. He's been out of the fold for 11 games. And as a result, every team that was relatively solid on offense and a team that was in the top 60 with regards to possessions per game, they have throttled down. Now you may recall my DK nation pick for Friday was this Princeton versus Harvard game over. I'm sticking to my guns. I wanted setting my total in that game at a 146 half. I saw my total in this game at a 146 half. I think that when you take a look at college basketball, context is key. When taking a look at some of these results, you could easily be like, oh, Team X wound up not covering. Team Y wound up covering this, that, and the other. And certainly, there are just some calls in which they're just so badly wrong that it's not even funny that you need to go back to the drawing board 
and you need to take a look at what wound up happening. This is a classic case of which you don't want to be prisoner to what wound up actually happening on the scoreboard because this was no doubt one of the worst beats that you've taken all year long if you wound up taking the over. Let me just paint the picture for you. The game is just getting all out of sorts here. You've got it at 71 to 67 with 319 remaining. So at the very minimum, if you wind up having Princeton put in there a bucket or two, you're certainly going to get late game felling with it being like a six point game with a minute left to go. The late game felling somehow did not come because Harvard was just completely brain dead in this situation. I mean, the game winds up being 74 to 67 with about 30 seconds to go. Harvard winds up missing a bucket. They wind up fouling Jalen Llewellyn, who is an 80-plus percent free-throw shooter. Guess what happened? He wound up missing both free-throws late in the game, and then Harvard winds up having an opportunity to a bucket. They don't wind up getting it either. Somehow, some way, in a five-point game, Harvard, with about a minute left to go, decided not to foul in the game as well. You would think that any rational team that wants any sort of a shot of winning they want to give the foul there. They wind up not fouling, and then they wind up giving you the bucket on top of that. So I have no idea what they were thinking. I think never again Tommy Amaker is going to be going to that plan because that was a big, giant, flipping failure. So you've got that going on. So it's one of those situations where if you wound up like me having this total over and it wound up not getting there, you shouldn't be too discouraged. I'm going right back to the well on it because you've got a Princeton team that they rank in the top 20 in all of college basketball. The guards point scored on a per possession basis. They're a team that overall has been able to shoot right in the pocket of about 38.5% from three-point range. That is in the top 25 in all of college basketball. Then you've got a Harvard team that they haven't necessarily been able to put the ball in the basket as much, but you do have to like what you've been able to get out of your hardline score. That would be Noah Kirkwood. Noah Kirkwood, he's been able to give you 15 points, six boards. He's able to chip in there, three assists, a block, and a seal per contest. He's been terrific. And then been able to get a little bit more out of Kale Catchings recently. He wound up having 19 points in that most recent outing against Princeton. He's been able to give you nine plus points in three of the team's last four games. Guy that's able to shoot 36% from three-point range now. The one trepidation that I have with Princeton, and his big reason why, if this wound up being a three, I would be a little bit more willing to take the points with Harvard, is that they are legitimately bad at the free throw line. Jalen Llewellyn, the guy that wound up missing both free throws at the end of the game, that wound up costing you an over a couple days ago, he's actually very solid at the free throw line. He's a guy that is still shooting right around 80% of the charity stripe, actually down to 78.3% officially. But it's a Princeton team that, despite the fact that they are very good on offense, they do shoot only 65.7% of the free throw. Big reason why Princeton has been so good to the over this year is because they don't necessarily do a great job with their interior defense. They rank overall with regards to points a lot on a per possession basis right around 200. They only give you 1.9 blocks per contest. Right now, your leader in rebounds is Ethan Wright, a guy that stands right around like 6'6", six 6'7". Foot six, six foot so they don't necessarily have ideal size, but just have a lot of guys that do, do a good job of being able to pound it in there from three-point range. So that is something that you do want to be taking a look at with this game. I do think that you're going to be able to get some relatively good tempo in this game. You've got a Harvard team that even without Chris Ludlum, they've still been in the top half in all, all college basketball with regards to possessions. Brain. I think that Princeton is going to be able to get theirs. It's a spot in which I'm willing to lay up to a two and a half year with Princeton. So here at the two and a half, especially with the reduced juice, like we're seeing at DraftKings, that's pretty much max I'm willing to lay, but I'm willing to lay and I'm going to stick to my guns. The over should have came through when these two teams are playing on Friday. I think this time we're going to get the over. Set the sold at 146 half. 
sticking to my guns, sticking with the over, and we're going to be willing to lay it here with regards to Princeton. When it comes to what we're going to be getting on Sunday as well, we're going to be having a lot of action out there in the Metro Atlantic, and I do think that this Canisius versus Quinnipiac game is really interesting. This is 821-822 on the betting board. The Bobcats of Quinnipiac are finding themselves anywhere between a 3 and a 4-point favorite with your total on this game anywhere between 146 and 146 FN. With Quinnipiac, I did want to say them as a 6-point favorite. It's a Canisius team that you really don't get much out of the glass out of this team. And when it comes to points allowed on a per-possession basis, Canisius just has not necessarily been that good this season with regards to this area team that they rank 235th in the country. Now, good thing is they actually aren't necessarily too much worse on the road than they are at home. And with Quinnipiac, you do have a guy in Kevin Marfo who's really been able to do a good job of being a versatile, being a versatile six foot seven big man. Actually spent last year at Texas A&M, but I'm going to go through his numbers on the other side as to a bigger is why I'm going to be taking a look at Quinnipiac and I am going to also be taking a look at some of the other games that we're going to be getting on Sunday in college basketball as well. A little bit later on in the show, we're going to be taking a look at some odds to be able to win conference tournaments as well. So we've got a lot of college basketball on tap right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky, they're saying, Cal's a bust, he can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my dance, <laughs> Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Get an early start on your college hoops tournament betting with VSIN's full court bracket coverage, betting coverage. Starting on Sunday, March 13th, we've got six hours of free live video streaming on VSIN.com, including the full bracket reveal and opening lines for every single game. The VEASAN College Hoops experts, including myself, Greg Hoops Pearson, will be analyzing every single game and discussing with bookmakers who make the lines to be able to find the best early value. Don't wait for the lines to move. Start your bracket coverage right now, round one through the entirety of the NCAA tournament. VEASAN has you covered, and we've got you covered on Sunday, March 13th, 
at 6 p.m. Eastern for free right here on VEASAN.com, the Sports Betting Network. Guys, it is a great beer set experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. And there's a lot of people that make everything at this network that we do humanly possible. And got to give a plug to everyone that's working so hard tonight. My wonderful producer, Wyatt Tomchek. I know that he's doing great work when it comes to the women's side of college basketball. He's been calling a lot of UNLV games and from what he tells me, apparently they're going to be winning the Mount West regular season. They're apparently clocking in at 500 to one to be able to win the women's NCAA tournament. I don't know if I'm going to be finding myself with a future ticket on UNLV women's basketball, but certainly it's good to be able to see them have some success. White doing an absolutely terrific job. They're all over the wonderful PA. He is the gentleman that when you wind up hearing all these podcasts and all the hours of every single show. He is responsible for that. You've got Mikhail doing an absolutely terrific job of getting me set up on audio. And then my man, Nick does a terrific job as the technical director, keeping things all in line with this show. I do not know what we would do without these fine gentlemen, without them, you would not be seeing me or hearing me right now. I'm very lucky to work with such a great group. So a big thanks to them and all the contributions that they make on this show. Now I've got to try to contribute to your bankroll. And we left off taking a look at Canisius versus Quinnipiac and mentioned it a little bit before. The fact that I do like Quinnipiac in this spot, laying between three and four points. Total is 146.5. And I think that the difference maker in this game is going to be Kevin Marfo. Marfo is a guy that stands right around six foot eight, 10 and a half points, right around 10.8 rebounds per game. He was actually the nation's leader in rebounds during the 2019-20 season. So he's been a little bit down from that, but still able to do a solid job. But Past that, Matt Blonich being able to shoot in the high 30s from three-point range with right around 14 half points per contest. It's solid. They're going up against a Kanisha team that they rank right around 235th with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. And yet, they're a team that they only shoot right around 30.5% from three-point range. Malik Green getting hurt and just not being himself in general ever since the injury, even though he's come back, has been very, very difficult for this team now. To Canisius' credit, whenever they've had a step up in competition, they seem to actually play halfway decent. They wound up giving a spirited effort against Iona a few nights ago. When they wound up going on the road to Maris, they wound up only losing that game to, by one point. And for that matter, both of their Iona losses were by single digits. They held in there by 10 or a little bit earlier in the season against Miami. But I just feel like this is going to be a big, giant flat spot for them. They just don't necessarily have the piece that, uh, on offense to be successful, you've got a Quinnipiac team that they are looking to play a little bit more up-tempo with regards to possessions frame. It's a Quinnipiac team that they're towards the top half of all of college basketball, 148th. And then when it comes to Canisius, it's a team that they play relatively fast at 85th, but at the same time, they're just not necessarily efficient. We've noticed them throttling down their tempo a little bit more as well. So I do mind up saying my total at a 144 and a half. I'm going to go under in the spot. And with this Quinnipiac bunch, I'm going to lay up to six. So I'm going to be willing to lay the points. We've been looking at quite a few of the early games, which I think is very important because you want to be able to get in these bets a little bit earlier. But how about if we take a look at a very marquee game that's going to be going down on this college basketball Sunday? This is going to be 8-19-8-20. SMU hitting the road face off against Houston. Houston opens up a 10-point favorite. We have seen this climb to anywhere between 10 and a half and in some spots 11, like where I'm at right now, circa you're seeing an 11 there. Your total on scheme, it is any between 136 and 137 and a half. So have a little bit of a range there. I wound up saying my total at a 137. So if you're seeing a 137, I would rather have the over rather than the under in that spot because I do think that you're going to get a little bit of late game following here. I do think that you're able to rely upon both of these offenses as well because with regards to Houston, 
both in terms of offense and defense, points scored and points allowed on a per possession basis. This is a team that ranks in the top 25. And Resume, they're actually improved on defense. They rank in the top 75 with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis. And then you take a look at the flip side and what you're going to be able to get out of this Houston team, Kyler Edwards. Just an absolutely terrific player that's able to give you 13 points, five and a half boards, three assists per game. Now, the big thing for Houston is that they're a team that, with regards to free throw shooting percentage, they're not great. They shoot right around 66.5% at the charity stripe. That is in the bottom 75 in all of college basketball. But then you take a look at what you're able to get on this SMU team. It is a team that they've got their deficiencies from time to time with regards to backcourt outside of your main guy and Kendrick Davis. Kendrick Davis has been absolutely amazing. 19 points, four and a half rebounds, five assists. A guy that's able to shoot it very well from three-point range. But then take a look at some of the ancillary guards that they do leave a little bit of something to be desired. Emmanuel Bandamel has been able to shoot right around 38% from three-point range. Does rock solid job. Then you've got the Weathers brothers, Michael and Marcus Weathers. These two guys have been able to combine four right in the pocket of about 23 to 24 points per game. Both of these guys shoot between 38 and 40% from three-point range. It give you a combined 12 rebounds per game. But just take a look at Josh Carlton along Fabian White Jr. These two guys for Houston have really been able to hold down the ship ever since they wound up having two key players and Trayvon Mark along with Marcus Sasser go down with season-ending injuries. These two guys are able to combine for about 12 rebounds, 24 points per game. And in the case of Fabian White, He's a guy that from three-point range has been able to shoot right around 40% from distance. So I do think that he's going to be able to do a relatively solid job in this game. Got a Houston team that just year in and year out, they always do a great job of being able to pound the glass as well. And the big reason why is because they've got just such good defense in general that you can't grab rebounds because you can't get into the paint on this team. They do such a good job with their rotations. Even lesser-known guys like a like someone that winds up coming in in a Josh Carlton. He's been able to do a solid job of being able to help out this team. Reggie Chaney, one coming in from Arkansas, doesn't necessarily give you a lot of points, doesn't necessarily fill up the stat sheet, but he just knows his role. As a result, Houston, number 15 in all of college basketball with regards to rebound rate. That's something that's going to be difficult for SMU to be able to overcome. And for SMU, they were able to get the job done the last time these two teams wound up playing. That was on February 9th. SMU got the win by a count of 85 to 83. Both of these teams were just absolutely unconscious from three. I don't think that you're going to be seeing a similar result. I do think that Houston is going to be a bottle things up a little bit more. This is a Houston team that when it comes to their tempo, they're one of the slower teams that you're going to find in all of college basketball in terms of points on a, or in terms of possessions per game. This is a team that they rank outside the top 275. SMU certainly is looking to push their tempo a little bit more. It's not like they're necessarily a breakneck pace team, but at the same time, when it comes to SMU, they're ranking right around 100th with regards to possessions per game. I do think that things are going to be a little bit more bottled up. 137 is really the max. I'm willing to take a look at the over on. Once you wind up getting up to 137 half or higher, that's going to be a look for me on the under end. With Houston, I do think that they're going to be able to get revenge on SMU. Right now, we're seeing at DraftKings a 10.5 on Houston. It's really the max I'm willing to lay is 10.5. I want to say my line at 11, but... I'm willing to lay a 10.5 here with Houston as I do think that they're going to be able to come out give a very powerful performance, especially on the low post. When it comes to what we're going to be getting a little bit later on in the day in college basketball, I think that the Atlantic 10 is going to be a offering up an intriguing one. This is 833-834 on the bank board. George Mason playing us to George Washington. Have no fear. It's not going to be one-on-one where both Georges just wind up hitting the floor and 
you wind up having both guys try to not tire by the end of the game, but George Mason find themselves a 10-point favorite, and your Talon's game is 138.5, and George Mason, I did wind up saying them as more of a 12-point favorite, so I'm going to be willing to lay it. I'd be willing to lay the 12 and a hook here as well, because with George Mason, it's a team that they do a really good job with their versatility. Josh Oduro, this guy that's able to give you 17 points, 8 boards, shoots in the low to mid-30s from 3-point range. George Mason, not necessarily a fast team. They rank in the bottom 100 with regards to possessions per game, but with George Mason, in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis, they are right around 100th, and they do a very solid job at home, scoring right around 105.5 points per 100 possessions at home. Meanwhile, you've got a George Washington team that they leave a lot to be desired. This is a team that ranks right around 280th with regards to points scored on a per-possession basis. Now, I will say, Hunter Dean has been able to give you a little bit more recently. He's able to give the team six rebounds per game, but the George Washington team that they're about six deep with regards to rotation. Ricky Lindo Jr. has been solid. Seven and a half points, seven and a half boards. Gives you a block and a steal per contest. Able to shoot in the mid-30s from three-point range. But George Washington, they do shoot 32% from three-point range. If you're going to be able to bust through this George Mason defense, the best way to be able to do so is by being able to hit threes. And it's a George Washington team that they themselves, they leave quite a bit of something to be desired on defense. They do actually a relatively solid job of being able to defend the three-point arc. But I do think that George Mason is going to be able to bust through that a little bit more. It's a George Washington team that been a little bit rudderless and they've been playing relatively slowly as well. If I'm saying my total of 135.5, diving under, and I'm one to lay it here with George Mason. In the final hour of the Greg Peterson experience, going to be hitting upon some conference tournament futures. Also going to be taking a look at more games for this college basketball Sunday right here on VEASAN, Esports Bank Network. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today.